and welcome to the Meta Spiritualist Meta Spiritual Talk. I'm your host, Marla, and through today's journey, we'll be talking with Tahiri Divine. Tahiri is a certified ceremonial leader and facilitator in root work and divination. She specializes in holistic wellness through womb healing, body awareness, intuitive readings, and ceremonial activities and life coaching. We hope that this conversation resonates with you. Take a listen. The Meta Spiritualist is guided by the creator of the universe through prayer, meditation, and sound healing. Hey, Tyra. How you doing? Hello. Oh, I am well. I'm just excited to be in this space with you today. Girl, I am excited that you're here. We haven't seen each other since the retreat, so I'm like... I was super stoked when I saw the the calendar invite pop up on my calendar. I was like, yes. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. So it's like, this has just been just a wonderful unfolding since the entire retreat. Like even like, you know, when you think about everything that led up to the moments and then everything afterwards, it's like, this is just so divine how just things come into alignment. So I'm just like, I'm here for it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay, we were talking about your nose ring. What made you decide to do that? This was, you you got it after the retreat too. Yes, yes. Actually, this is my third time getting this doggone nose pierced. (laughs) So I think why I think my nose is irritated with me by now because I've never had this like, I don't know, it's a keyboard or what's going on, but I'm Mm -hmm. like, great, is my nose over it? (laughs) But yeah, you know, it's just, it's just, you know, I think it is, it's just, I have to be honest, I think it's a little rebellious. It's just like, it's like an act of rebellion, you know, cutting my hair off, getting a nose ring. It's like, there's no going back to the old way of life. So it's like, I have to affirm it with some type of physical action now because I already feel it spiritually. So it's like, it's a ritual. I I never even thought about it like that. Like, you know, an act of rebellion, you know, you're going against the status quo, like against the common modern beauty standards or you know what mainstream says is beautiful and so that's that's empowerment oh my gosh and you're, you're so right in the line because that's what it felt like too because mm-hmm. I was going this um you know kind of like this idea of like a baddie Instagram baddie because I started hiring consultants for my um my social media pages mm-hmm. and just explain what I want my social media page to, what type of message I want. I want it to be a lifestyle message, like a spiritual lifestyle, luxury lifestyle. And a lot of the consultants were really trying to put me in the Instagram baddie type of archetype. Mm-hmm. And although I'm not, but you know, I mean, I like, I like all of that, but I said, it doesn't feel extremely authentic if I'm not able to show myself like this as well. And so I understand their reasoning on why, like, no, keep your look consistent because it's a look, quote unquote, look that we're going for. And, Mm -hmm. um, and so all of that was just for me to really reclaim my beauty. Like what's beauty to me, not this ideal beauty or this societal way of seeing beauty and Mm -hmm. recognizing all things. So the cutting off my hair, the nose ring, the just, just me just showing up myself, my eyebrows not being drawn on right now. (laughs) It's 
it, it's all me establishing my own ideal of my beauty and ensuring that I'm cultivating inside just as much as I do the outside. So it is definitely a combination of all of that. So you kind of really hit on the head with that one. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you know what? For me, I think um, that was another reason why I decided to go ahead and lock my hair again. Because the first time I did it, I was working around a lot of like elite status, you know, like people who are looked at as powerful because they have money and you have to look a certain way because of the type of um, rooms and network events that you're going to be a part of. And so I became extremely self-conscious about the way people were viewing me when I, when I locked Mm -hmm. my hair the first time. And so um, this time around, I'm like, <laughs> I'm doing whatever I want to do. <laughs> like, can't nobody tell me nothing, right? <laughs> you know what's so beautiful about that? To me, I feel the most beautiful now than I ever did before. And, and don't get me wrong, I love makeup. I love mm-hmm. the wigs. I love, you know, the, the, the boobies pushed up to your chin. I love all that, right? Yeah. But it's like, I feel so free and just being myself the way it is uninterrupted. So I love that you, myself, and other women are just really tapping into what is the beauty for them uninterrupted. Yeah, yeah, I'm absolutely. Here. Hey, Al. <laughs> All right, well, let's get into it, girlfriend. So um, tell our audience, you know, what, you know, what it is that you do and, and who you are and, and where you come from. Like, okay, <laughs> well, I come from the... <laughs> Of course, right now. Well, you know me as Tyra. We've met through um, Black Fire Nation Reverend Kamisha's class, um, Mm -hmm. Self-Related Goddess, which was just a wonderful, wonderful experience. And so born by the name of Tyra, but people in my social media world know me as Tahiri Divine. And so I I liken myself to a practical spiritualist. Mm -hmm. Um, I like I like to make spirituality practical. And so that has been my journey for the last 10 years, but more so on a professional level, the last five years of really bringing that um, spiritual pr- practices and concepts, taking it out of a religious context and, and expanding it more to making it a practical lifestyle. So instead of compartmentalizing our life, like, oh, this is my mundane life. This is my work life. This is my social life. This is my spiritual life finding ways to have it um, all together and harmony with each other and not seeing them compartmentalized. So that has been my journey and also what I love to teach and spread to the masses and particularly women. I really, really do focus a lot of my content specifically to women mm-hmm. since we are the most religious or churched group or, you know, that type of arena there and, and helping us to expand our, our horizons and our, our understanding of our own spiritual nature as a practice. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting that you said um, practical spirituality because I started reading this book called The Art of Practice Practical Spirituality. And it's, it. so far, it's really good. And I'm going to turn it into like a, I was thinking about turning it into like a, a guided study here on the podcast. So, yeah, that's total well, alignment. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, yeah. So what is a spiritual practitioner? Yeah. So for for my definition, I like to look at words just very basic of what they're saying. So I like it. It's a person that practices spirituality. Mm -hmm. Um, The same thing like 
I liken medical doctors, they're practicing medicine, lawyers are practicing law. So to me, a spiritual practitioner is someone who is practicing spirituality. And to me, that means you're engaged, engulfed, and very much connected to what you are doing. And also, it's it's an embodiment of who you are as well. So to me, a a spiritual practitioner doesn't have to be any person that's specifically licensed or or, um, certified in something, although that does help if you're going to be in the public arena. But it's just definitely someone who is in tune with their own practice of spirituality and how that shows up in their life and how it connects them to their everyday life as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, and, and, um, can you talk about, cause you started a program through the university of metaphysics. So what, what is your program focus on and how is that going to help you in your spiritual uh, practice? Yeah. So yes, I have, um, officially enrolled a few months back into the university of Sedona, um, in uh, spiritual psychology, uh, with the focus on holistic counseling. And for myself, because I, I liken myself as a holistic teacher, I like to look at everything in whole. Again, I don't like to be compartmentalized. I like to know, well, how does this work with that? You know, chemistry works with biology, works with math. I like to have the whole picture together versus compartmentalizing. So, and um, going a step further, getting my degree um, in these specific fields, I believe is helping me to uh, find a way to compound my message in a way that is um, already set in stone. Like there's already a set path of what I want to do and mm-hmm. learning from the who are considered the best, right? That's that's one of my things. I like I like best practice. Like I come from the medical background. And so right. <laughs> there's, there's this, this concept called what's the best practice of something. So there's no perfect way, but there are best practices. And so I, I liken this into my spiritual walk and teaching as well. I liken myself as a student and the teacher. So in me um, expanding my understanding, expanding my vocabulary, expanding my, um, my reach of being able to... Um, to touch people, I feel it was necessary for me to go into holistic um, life um, um, coaching through spiritual psychology so that I can really be able to get more into the psychosis or the, the psychology of why we do what we do. Because again, everything's a practice and there's mm-hmm. always a psychology to it. So that was my thought process and um, way of seeing how this could help me and help others as well. Oh, that's that's amazing, girl. So, um, so you wanted to talk about the Psalms and how it, how it's important. So, give us a little bit of understanding or your, you know, tapping into your wisdom and knowledge of why the Psalms are important in one spiritual practice. Oh my goodness, definitely. So, some context. I grew up um, in, uh, in Christianity. That was my um, foundational upbringing, um, Southern military background, um, two parent home. And so very, it's interesting. I I grew up in a very patriarchal home. My father was a very, um, hard man, (laughs) very manly man type of person. And my mother was the very, um, submissive type person. So it was, yeah. So it was a, it was a very strong God, Christ, husband, everybody else. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's what, that's what, was it everybody else over here? <laughs> a type of upbringing. So, in my spiritual practice or the religious practice I was in, it was very much um, embedded in me. So, but it was interesting because although my family's very religious, my great grandmother was a root worker. 
but still very much Christian. You couldn't tell her she wasn't a Christian. And mm-hmm. so I could remember very early, uh, very early, maybe around the age of seven, eight, maybe even um, her practicing with roots and herbs and wow. using psalms or just Bible scriptures in general to do certain work. If anybody was sick, we knew to go to her. You know, my mother really didn't like it. She, she, she thought it was superstition and she thought it was evil, but you know, but that was something I remember growing up watching. So as I matriculated into my adult years, I was never turned away from, I was always very intrigued with the practice. I was always intrigued with shamanistic practices because mm-hmm. I learned about my mother's side of the family, um, being, um, American Indian and my great grandmother, my, so on this, so the, the grandmother I'm talking about that did a lot of the, the root work was my paternal great grandmother. And then my maternal great grandmother was very in touch with her indigenous, um, American Indians, uh, roots. And so mm-hmm. she had a little bit of that left in her, but she was very much Christian as well. So I, saw two different aspects of how this worked out, the hoodoo side and then the American indigenous side of it. So I was never turned off by it. I was very intrigued by the roots and essential oils and and prayers and incantations. And being very religious myself, I always saw myself still very spiritual. I, I felt the, the spirit, the movement of God. So when I became an adult and started to question my own belief systems and why I believe what I believe and to make sure this was really what I wanted to do or was just something I grew up in. And mm-hmm. that always stuck with me. The, the Bible always stuck with me. So although I may left the church or I may left Christianity, quote unquote, I knew there was still some power within that. And so when I got into deeper into my practice and understanding and connecting with um, Rev Kamisha, right? Finding uh-huh. her on YouTube, so it really put things in context about the importance of the Bible and words, because I love words. I was a spelling bee champ back in third grade. I like to break down words. So that really intrigued me. And so I see that today as um, looking at things, not so much at the doctrine way we were given to look at the Bible, but at what was really why these words were written and being able to interpret on a spiritual level to implement in our lives, because the Psalms in particularly, they are, you know, people say spells, but anything written down is a spell. So it's mm-hmm. like to take the woo-woo and fear out of it, just knowing how we write something down, we're spelling something. Mm-hmm. And so uh, incorporating that into our lifestyle, into our practice has been such a um, I've seen a dynamic change and I can say the last three years I've been actively using um, Psalms in my life. And I can really say that that has really deepened my practice, deepened my understanding and really has elevated the way I show up in my spiritual practice and my walk. Wow. You know, that's interesting because I like, as you're saying that and talking about your great grandmother and, and, and her being a root worker, but also very, very like ingrained in Christianity. Um, I'm thinking back to my great grandmother. Um, I would go and visit her in Georgia. Like I'm, I'm from Arkansas originally. And um, every year from the time I was born pretty much until I would say maybe third grade, I would go and spend, my parents would just drop me off there and I would stay with my, um, my dad's father and his wife, and then they, you know, because they were working, they would drop me off at my great-grandmother's home. And every day I would go over there, she made me read Psalms 27. Like I had to sit in front of her in her chair 
and recite it every single day. And I never really understood why she made me do that, but it's, it's stuck with me. And I know like whenever I'm in a situation that's dangerous or, you know, it's, there's a warning coming from spirit. I can literally pull that scripture from memory and recite it in my, in myself. Yes. I, I, oh my gosh. And I tell you that is just, it's just so profound how, although we as black American or melanated people in the Americas, there is this quote unquote disconnect, right. Or what we mm-hmm. disconnect from our, our practices. But I love how we're such resourceful people that we still keep it. We still do it. It's like, with libations, right? How you pour a libation to your ancestor. But we were doing that through culture, like pour some drink out for the dead homies, right? So it's right. like, we're always tuned with ourselves. We may call it something different, but mm-hmm. we're still in tune. So that's just even beautiful. Like even with your experience with your great grandmother, how the Psalms were still being used in the in your life. And what it really, what, what's what's happening on a spiritual level, although we have a different filter for it. So I, I love hearing these because like, it's always resonance. It's like, we're always resonating on where we need to be at. Yeah. And I don't have the book with me right now. It's at home. But um, when I, when I read the book, um, The Power of the Psalms, I can't remember her name, the author. It's a blue and gold yeah. and white book. <clears throat> when I read what, Psalms like 27 meant. I'm like, and I just read that this year. I'm like, that is why she made me read that Psalms. Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> but I wanted to bring up the um bring it back up to what you said about the hoodoo. Could you explain what that is and how it's very closely related to the the practices that we we do partake in in Christianity? Oh my goodness. I love this conversation right here. This is one of my, I love doing this because I like to have these conversations, particularly with other Christians who shun African or um, indigenous practices. I'm I'm using quotations there Mm -hmm. because a lot of times we don't see the correlation. Um, I'll just give this one example with my mother um, with astrology. She's very still much Christian, but she's been asking a lot more questions about astrology as of lately because she's an Aquarius. So she's She's curious, but, you know, still keeping her distance. Mm-hmm. But she's like, yeah, I'm kind of reading what Aquarius says. And that feels like me. Like, I totally feel like that. And But I can't reconcile looking into this and how I'm not going against God. So I made a very simple. Um, I said, well, well, how do the three wise men find baby Jesus? Yes. And she's like, well, they are. And I said, well, were they tracking the stars? She's like, yeah. I said, that's astrology. She's like, mm-hmm. And she was completely just shocked. She's like, no, 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 no. I said, no, that's what it was. It was astronomy and astrology. They were mm-hmm. following the cycles of the stars. Even the Bible says how the stars is the timekeepers. That's yeah, how we're able to know. Well. What exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Moon, all of it. And, and I mean, the whole Bible, if you look, break down the Greek word of the Bible, it's a holy book. It's the holy sun, right? So it's like, it's a book about the sun. Mm-hmm. And so or S-U-N, either one is the sun. So it's a whole astrology book. But um, I like to um, have this conversation and it, it really helps for me because I understand why I had to be born into a Christian-based family. I needed that 
background. I needed that type of um, foundation so that when I would start to spread my wings and open my perspective, that I was able to see the correlations of what our practices have always been. Because the Bible, if you really, if we take it back to ancient history, and, and I don't want to say history, it's more her story. These are a lot of the prophets from the ancient mothers of the antiquity days when we were under a matriarchal rulership. And I use rulership lightly because it, it's it's not the same as a patriarchal rulership. When women were once highly revered, these are the oracles. These are their stories that have been, of course, construed and, and, and turned around a little bit. Yes, but if we come in with a higher mind, you can be able to use, test the spirit by the spirit and know what is what. Mm-hmm. And that's why women are so swayed by it because there's resonance on what, it's still speaking to us. It's our mother's words still speaking to us. It's like, you know, the mother has always been present, although there is a very much focus on the male father God, but the mother God is always there. And so that has been one of my um, biggest, I, I don't know what I'm going to say missions, but I do know a lot of my um, following come from Christian backgrounds and mm-hmm. a lot of them are kind of new in their spiritual practice. So they're like, well, I'm trying to reconcile the Bible and my spiritual walk, how can I use both? And I like to show people that both is, is workable. And that, that's going to go into the hoodoo because, again, I saw my great-grandmothers, very much Christian, very much love the word of God, very much love Jesus, but they, didn't, they did not dishonor their understanding of nature and, and incorporating themselves with nature. And, and even down to the food, gardening, both of my great-grandmothers gardened. Both of them were very, very earth-based women. Actually, both of them were Tauruses. When I look back at it too, both of them had very heavy Taurus energy. Hey, I'm a Taurus. Yo. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that mother energy right there is that, that very mothering energy in the earth. So it, it, for me, that was another reference point to see that there is something that's within the hoodoo, taking away the fear out of it. And honestly, you know, very dark things, quote unquote, don't scare me. I, I, I actually run towards the dark. Then I... <laughs> That's just You're like, hey, what's over there? I'm, I'm going. <laughs> like, I love shows like Are You Afraid of the Dark? I used to read R.L. Stein books. There was mm-hmm. this Disney Channel show called So Weird that dealt with the whole supernatural, paranormal thing. So that's that was totally my realm. So yeah, I was- girl, R.L. Stein was my favorite author too. I, I had the whole Goosebumps um, collection. <laughs> you know, they're making an adult version now because as we were all grown up, they're Don't doing play. it. Yeah, they're going to do mini series on certain books and make it more adult for us m- older millennials. So. Oh my god, we should have a watch party. That's going to be so dope. That will be. That will be. Yes. Yeah. So, so back into the conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of yeah. Being able to <laughs> play out, it it made me more open to the hoodoo and other non. Um, Judeo-Christian practices to see, okay, what is the resonance? And I'm a historical historical person anyway. That was actually something I've always been in. I used to get in trouble in Sunday school because I asked very specific historic questions like, well, if Egypt is in Africa, then there has to mean these people must be perceived as Black people. And, you know, they'll just get me in trouble back then. Well, that doesn't matter. Well, actually, it has to matter because historically, you got to line it up to make sense. So as I trace back a lot of not just the Christian roots, but also how these Christian um, stories came from other what we call pagan stories and then learn more about those those traditions. I was able to, to track down 
um, pretty much track the lineage back to the maternal lineages. And so that has been just something that's been very prevalent for me is using the, the Bible and using the uh, what's in the Christian text as a way to correlate the historical or historical pr- perspectives into our modern day practices. Wow. Wow. Girl, you are, you are like a wealth of knowledge. I'm sitting here just blown away because I mean, you know, even, even asking those questions at such a young age shows how your spirit, your, your innate wisdom is alert and aware that something is not aligning in, in the story. And I think that we can still, because I know that the Bible mentions us having like a childlike curiosity of things, basically, and I'm paraphrasing, but I do think that at some point we have to follow what, um, was it Peter or Paul who said, um, you know, I, when I when I was a child, I spake as a child, I thought as a child, I behaved as a child, but when I became a man, when I became an adult, I put away childish things. And I think mm-hmm. at some point in our spiritual journey, we have to put away that, that childish thought of believing a story that does, does no longer serve our growth. You know, mm-hmm. there, there's definitely levels to spirituality. You know, and that's why I, 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 in the beginning, when I was coming to my awakening, I, I, I shunned Christianity. So I'll be there. I was like, anti-Christian. This is a book <laughs> of lies. A white man's book. You know, that whole rhetoric that people kind of go through in their awakening. Mm-hmm. But, but now looking back, because I, one thing I can definitely for sure, I, I loved, I loved Christianity at the time I was in. I loved it. it. It really worked for me. But there was like, I felt like I hit a glass ceiling and I felt like I needed something deeper and I felt like there was something missing. And then I had other questions too that I was, anyway, as you get older, you start to ignore them because, you know, you get shunned a lot from like, your parents and the Sunday school teacher and, you know, after a while you stop asking questions, but you kind of ball it up inside. And mm-hmm. I felt like, there was a higher level. And I can remember um, reading about with Jesus, you know, there was, he had the upper room, right. With his disciples or those who were close to him. So they were getting a different, they were, they were getting parables, but they were getting something different from him, more deeper teachings. But then when he, when Jesus went to the masses, it was the parables it was stories. Mm-hmm. And my thing is I, the deeper teachings, I want the upper room knowledge and what really uh, shifted it for me was I was at this church and I was living in Charlotte at the time and we were doing a study in the book of revelations mm-hmm. and just a lot of things were just leading me to my path to make me feel like, I don't think I really believe what I, what this is, this is saying, but what he said was be careful not to read other books because you just might be surprised what you find. And that was it for me. Like one thing I don't like being told is what not to do. Like, mm-hmm. you're not going to tell me, ask questions. You're not going to tell me not to read things. You're not going to tell me. And I already have friends that went to seminary school. And a lot of my friends who went to seminary school, they had a different perspective. And I could mm-hmm. tell like, they didn't believe the way the masses did. And I said, I want to know what you know. I don't like being, yeah. I don't like being a person that knowing stuff. <laughs> so I'm yeah, like, no, no, I got to. Yeah. I had a conversation <laughs> with someone who was um, actually gone to seminary and they are like, it's a totally different curriculum that they learn. They learn about the world religions. And so my question was, okay, well then why wouldn't so many 
pastors, elders, you know, leaders of the church, when they come out of seminary, they continue to feed them the, the watered down version instead of giving them the real, like you're continuing to keep people in the dark about something to maintain this level of hierarchical, like, you know, pedestal that you're, you put yourself on basically, you know, people were you as a spiritual leader and you allow for ego to come in and kind of like keep yeah. them keep them down so that you can look as if you're more spiritual or more important or no more than them. Exactly. And that's one thing I just did never resonated with. Like I can remember when, you know, when Jesus supposedly had died, the mm-hmm. um cloth in the temple ripped. As a representation, we don't have to go through a priest to get to God anymore. We have a straight connection to God. And that's was something I had an issue with. It's like, if Jesus already paved the way for me to have a, a direct connection to God, to ask questions, to do that, why is it that I have to go through a pastor to get approval to read certain things or, or to act like just, or to, you kind of control my question. So I can't get to the heart of what I'm, I'm asking. That mm-hmm. was to me, like, I can't have that. There's there is not a disconnect between me and God. I did not appreciate being told that there was, or I had to go through a, a church or a specific ministry or a specific person to get the answers I needed to God. And so that was something that I, I definitely pushed back on. And I really am um, appreciative, but I took a lot of time to learn myself. So like one thing I know about myself, I already know I'm like, like a lot of people say you're a librarian. I said, that's something I've always been interested in. Like, like I love libraries and I know that because I'm a Libra sun, Aries moon. So you put that together, you get the librarian. So the Akashic mm-hmm. record, the information is something I love. I love that. So mm-hmm. when I do branch out my myself and asking different set of questions to understand my, my faith and why I even believe what I believe and what is this 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 religion was really teaching me? Um, I, I have appreciation for it because I felt like I came, I graduated from kindergarten, and now I'm going into the master's program, and now I'm going into the doctorals program, quote unquote. But literally, yeah. right now. so it's like it's it's a it's about maturing spiritual maturity. That's really what it was. I was ready to mature spiritually, and I didn't want to be spoon fed. I didn't want to be given the breast milk. I wanted to chew on. I want to chew on something with substance outside of just the liquid. And I was ready for that. And I know a lot more people are ready and yearning for it. Mm-hmm. They just don't know what to ask. They don't know where to go. And I'm, I'm just, I'm honored that I was part of the, the wave of this first wave of people awakening to go through those trials and to go through the questions and the pre YouTube days of like really getting going and looking at books, really studying yeah. and studying it. And being able to take in the knowledge at that time and now to live it out. And now I'm like, okay, I'm in a space where I'm ready to share this and help connect the dots because there's dots that need to be connected. Mm-hmm. There's neural pathways that we need to tap back into. There's DNA that needs to come back online. So that's that's just been my entire um I I, I, I want to be very careful using the word mission because mm-hmm. it's not so much a mission, it is something that I'm called to do for myself and in tandem I can give. Yes, that's a better way. Yeah, it's a purpose. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, what do you think about? Okay, so you, girl, you mentioned about like pre YouTube, like this generation, social media. A part of me feels like I'm so glad I didn't grow up attached to a phone or a tablet or, you know, um, 
I remember when I came to be saved, I was 20 years old or 19. I was about to turn 20, actually. And um, what happened with me was I, you know, uh, took Jesus as my Lord and Savior and went through Bible studies and joined a church and just threw myself into ministry. And I became a Bible thumper, like looking and being very judgmental on other people and their journeys. And so when I um, moved away from my home state and, and really got out on my own, that's when I was exposed to other belief systems and practices. And then I started questioning at a very young age. And I feel like I was a little ahead of my time because I didn't have like a tribe of women or people that I felt that understood what I was going through as well. And Mm -hmm. so I buried it. And I, I went right back into just being enthralled into the church and not necessarily sticking with a spiritual practice that would expand my awareness and make me confident in speaking of things of the spirit. Mm, that is so interesting, the resonance there, because I could tell you, I was 19 uh, when I, uh, okay, I, I, two things happened at 19 for me. So this was the year when Rihanna became the bad girl gone good or good girl gone bad. Mm-hmm. And I can remember, I always felt, I felt a really close connection to Rihanna. Like in my mind, we're soul sisters. Right. Mm-hmm. And when she went bad girl, I was like, no, this is really when Illuminati things were really popular. Like, Oh, the yeah. music industry and the Illuminati, like the bridge, like, that was like the conversation of the day. And I could say, Nope, the, the devil can't have her. So what I did at that time, I went deeper into astrology for one, I wanted to prove astrology wrong. And then I also went into apologetics, Christian apologetics. Oh, wow. I wanted to, wanted to defend the faith. So I had these two different dichotomy experiences of studying astrology hardcore so I could prove it wrong, quote unquote, and then go straight to apologetics so I can prove Christianity right. And what ended up happening to me is I doubled down in my, in my religious faith, but it, it, it made me lose more faith as I was doubling down into it. Wow. So that's just interesting. I can see like at the like 19 seems to be like that crossover year of like, we're going to do some type of change. We don't know what, but we're going to figure this thing out. Mm-hmm. And that was really what led me within my path. And I really believe that was the beginning for me as far as walking me into where I'm at. And then, like I said, this is pre people talking about astrology, talking about other things outside of spirituality. So it's like, I was really traversing through my own journey just, but even looking back at it, it was so perfect because God was still giving me the little nuggets, the little droplets to help me along the way. So mm-hmm. I feel like no, nothing went wrong. So even when I went, when I did finally Christianity at age 23, I got into, um, I never joined a camp, but Hebrew Israelites, I was really into that message at the time mm-hmm. and that, led me, and then listening to them led me to find, um, Kamisha. So everything was just kind of like, boom, 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 stack, stack, stack what I needed to get to my level up. So it was like grade level one, two, three, four. Now we're, now we're at the master's program. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I like was that resonance and, and our journeys that we have where we like, okay. 
it's a double down or nothing. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. No, I, I ran across Kamisha. I don't even remember how it, maybe it was a friend of mine on Facebook that shared a post of hers. And so I started tuning into what she was saying and I was like, that makes so much so much sense. Oh my God. Where has she been all my life? You know? Yeah. Um, and and last year when the pandemic hit, that was really like where I was like, okay, what is going on? Like spiritually, what does this mean? Scientifically, what does this mean? Because I do believe that there is there's truth in science, there's truth in spirit, there's you know, and so I really started following her, and then I decided to go into her course. And when I took the course, I was like, oh my God, like mine completely just. <laughs> mm-hmm. yes, yeah, I, I love that. That was, oh goodness, I tell you, like leading up to taking the course, because we took the same course together. Mm-hmm. And um, that was my, my experience was like, I, I knew I needed something deeper because you know, I knew something was going to happen. Um, I just didn't know why. I didn't. I mean, no, didn't have no idea it was a pandemic that was going to take place. But I knew there was some. We were ready for a reset because mm-hmm. one thing I like to study timelines. I like to study algorithms. You know, I'm really into data. I was a data analyst for the for the uh, hospital for many years, which is so funny because my South Node is in Virgo, mm-hmm. so information. Data, 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 data. I'm really great at that. And I know I'm pushed to be more in my north node, which is more Pisces. And it's like, okay, yes, you can have all this data, but you need to also don't get attached to the data. Allow the data to be what it is, but don't get so attached to the information, information, because then you get lost information or you get anxiety because the information is leading you this particular way and faith faith needs you to just have faith and walk in faith and not in data if that makes yeah. sense so yeah in the pandemic my soul already knew something was going to take place and I'm so fortunate that I was finding the right teachers at the time to prepare me I was finding teachers that were on more of the darker wisdom and they were really putting resonance on there's going to be a reset we didn't know when we didn't know what but I knew it was going to be a reset so prepare yourself but, and that's one thing I love about spiritual, uh, the spiritual teachers I found, they don't separate finances, economy, health into different things. Like that's all part of your spiritual practice. If your spiritual practice doesn't bring no type of financial abundance in your life, you might be practicing something wrong. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that was important to me. It's like, I, I don't want to be a poor, righteous teacher that I don't, I don't believe that God had us to be poor. I believe in that God, we live in a a place of abundance. Mm -hmm. Now there's systems in place that man put together that can create this concept of lack, but Mm -hmm. I had to get out of the lack consciousness, not just only in my money, but also my faith walk. Like I had to Mm -hmm. really learn to lack consciousness and, and, and over across the board. So when I found teachers like Kamisha and other women that were really honing in on what I need at the time, it really led me into a space where I was um, receptive and didn't feel the sting that the pandemic brought. Yeah. And I thank God, although I, you know, I have compassion and, and, and for those who felt and experienced hardships, I'm just so honored that that wasn't my, that's not my story. Right. And to, to, to not feel bad. Like sometimes it's like, Oh man, I feel bad that I had an okay year. Like, no, it's yeah. okay. God, so you you did the necessary work to have an a quote okay okay year. Yeah. Uh, actually, one of my most 
funded years to be honest. Girl, I I we 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 have exceeded like oh my gosh. I I probably made the most money in 2019 and 2020 that I have over the last decade. Like it was crazy how much money was flowing in. And now I've been tested because the mm. money is not as readily available or coming as quickly as it was coming. And so now I'm like, okay, God, I need to focus on, you know, flow. And, you know, yeah. and, and then I was even saying, I was telling um, Shaya the other day when we were recording the, the, um, the July forecast, I told her, I said, you know what? There was a time where I was like, no, I got to work harder to get everything that I want in life. I got to work mm-hmm. hard so that my children don't have to suffer and this and this and that. And then I'm like, last year, I was like, no, I'm going to work smarter. Like, I need to work smarter, not harder. And this year, I'm like, I don't want to work harder. I don't want to work smarter. I want to be in the flow. Like, I want to allow for spirit to do what spirit is going to do. Having the faith and knowing that everything works out for my good because mm. I am good. You know what I'm Honey, saying? This is why I say as spiritual beings, we have to have a practice. We have to have a spiritual practice because that's what keeps us grounded and that's what keeps us in the flow and alignment. And just to give just credits to what you're saying, that was my experience. Last year was most the most financially abundant year. And I, I worked half as less. <laughs> so oh, no, like, I, I worked. I worked so hard. Like I went, I went weeks without a day off to the point to where now it's like, I'm on burnout. I really am. However, I'm like, you know what? Let me, let me just refocus self-care, like get myself in order mentally, emotionally, and spiritually so that the next opportunity that comes along that allows for that abundant flow to just Mm -hmm. be consistent, you know, I will be ready for it. So I kind of feel that this, the the retreat was really what kicked it off. It was like, okay, I've never been on a retreat before. I've never just completely disconnected from the outside world. Um, And so that allowed for me to really, say, you know what, it's time to take care of me because how can I pour from an empty vessel? How can I, you know, take care of my children the way that a mother should? How can I take care of my husband the way that a wife should? How can I take Mm. care of my friends the way that a friend should, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. And I really, I really love what you said about, um, you know, not compartmentalizing things. Like there's things that need to be compartmentalized, but when it comes to a spiritual faith walk, everything is interconnected and we Mm -hmm. have to learn to integrate them and not divide them because- And that has been important for me because, uh, sorry not to cut you off, sorry, my love. No, it's okay, Uh, go ahead. Yeah, like my my health, right? I, I, I would- there was a time in my spiritual practice where I was all about meditation. I was all about reading, you know, my Bible books and, and, and watching lectures and I loved it, but then I wasn't 
eating. I wasn't drinking water. I wasn't doing things that nourish the body because I was so much in, in my spirit, which I was being fueled. But then it got to a place was like, my spirit is full, but the body is being weak. And so mm. I can remember, I felt like I was lashing against my body for sleep, feeling sleep. Like, no, we can't go to sleep. I need to finish this. I need to do. And, and my body crashed. And so 2020 for me was a really a focus. Like you cannot neglect the body. The body is spiritual. Like the matter is spiritual. If it wasn't for spirit, you wouldn't have matter. Matter is the manifestation of spirit. So mm-hmm. I ensure that I'm caring for my body. I'm I'm nutrition, I'm getting nutrition, I'm getting rest, I'm doing the necessary actions that keeps the body healthy because my body putting it in a temple form, like this is my temple. Mm-hmm. I am the house. I am the walking church. So that put things in perspective for me is like now when I eat, when I brush my teeth, uh, when I bathe, when I make my bed, even the clothes I wear, the type of material that has became part of my spiritual practice. Although it's my everyday mundane things, it's a spiritual connection there. It's part of my meditational practice because for me, meditation, sitting down being quiet. I can do that, but that's not like my go-to. I'm a fire sign. I got a lot of fire. (laughs) Like I got to do something, this energy. Mm -hmm. So me just incorporating that into my everyday life was able to help me cultivate my practice and and treat every day as sacred. And and, and I started practicing um, tantric, um, the Tao tantric practices. And that Mm -hmm. really helped me hone into merging the worlds together and not having it separated, not saying, well, it's, I have to work out today, but looking at as working out as part of my spiritual enhancement or part of my spiritual growth. And mm-hmm. it was really just me reframing, changing the way I was viewing things, changing my perspective so that I could be more receptive and and, and actually do it. <laughs> so that has been such an important factor for myself and, and relaying that message, even down to sexuality, because I had my own handcuffs on sexuality and, and, mm. experience, and experiencing that and now saying like, no, sex is a gift. It is a sacred right. And as a woman, as a female, we have an organ on our body that's for nothing else but pleasure. So pleasure <laughs> is a birth. And that was hard. That was mm-hmm. hard. For a lot of us women, we're so used to being the givers, right? We're yeah. giving to our loved ones, children, spouses, boyfriends, husbands, girlfriends, whatever. We're giving to so much, our ideas, our projects, our job. And it's like, when do we give to ourselves? And there's sometimes guilt for wanting to take care of self. I can remember after I had my, my last child, my, my partner at the time was like, I want you to take a day off. And I didn't know what that meant. Like take a day off. Like I have mommy guilt. No, I can't be away from the baby. What do you think I'm trying to make you like, it was all these things in my own head. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Programs, but there was things in my head that I was telling myself that I couldn't take care of me because I had to do these other things. And I had a partner that was like, no, let me help you rest. So that was something that was important for me to learn to be present in the body, to be present in, in, cause I love food. I'm a foodie. So like even down enjoying food as a spiritual act, a yeah. spiritual act, like, like, wow, I can enjoy the pleasure that life brings and allow pleasure be part of my practice and scents and smells and oils and I love all of it. Everything that draws me to slow my energy down, to mm-hmm. focus on the moment. And that has been such a wonderful unfolding for me right now. And that's another message I really want to, I, I really want to convey to women is to enjoy your moments of pleasure and mm-hmm. know that you are 
worthy for pleasure. You deserve pleasure. Pleasure is your birthright. And pleasure could be whatever it is. It doesn't have to be the very act of sexuality, but it can be something about your senses. Mm-hmm. What gets you into you to slow down, to be present with the God or goddess in you and the spirit in you, the spirit of God that's within you. What practice can you practice that gets you there? And that's something I love to help women find practical spirituality in their everyday life. (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh, girl, that you, you know, and you said something else about um, pleasure that I wanted to bring up in this episode and maybe we could, we could plan another one. Um, to really expound upon it, but um, sex magic. Like you uh, remember, remember we were in uh, on the retreat and the lady asked in the store what you do. And you was like, oh, I sell sex toys. <laughs> it was like, okay. And the guy, he was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> he turns yes. red. But talk a little bit about that. Like what, what does that mean? And, and how can we tap into our in a sexual energy as we're manifesting and, 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 in our spiritual practices. Yes. Oh, I, yeah, that, that moment in time was so funny because to give context for those don't know, we were like in a very country Southern (laughs) place. (laughs) Crystal dildos. Oh, I think I think I said, I sell crystal phalluses. Yes. And the, the, the sales lady was like, oh, yeah, we should sell those here. And the guy was like, not in this town. <laughs> that was so funny. Yes. <laughs> and I love the responses because it, it shows how much shame there is on the concept of, of our sexual nature as just beings, as human beings. There's a lot of shame. Even um, right now, we're going through this, this time of sexual liberation for women. And to to some people, they believe sexual a sexual liberal a sexually liberated woman is some type of sex crazed woman that's just going to be running around having sex with everything. Right. And men are way more controlled than that. <laughs> like yes. we're, we're not, no shade to men, but we're not men <laughs> when it comes with our sexual experiences. Now, do I think we are maybe a little bit more sexual than men? I think we might be a little bit more sexual than, but we are way more condensed with ourselves. And I, I want women to really be able to find peace with their sensuality as far as starting with loving on their genitals, because there's a lot of shame on breasts and the vagina, the vulva, the labia. There's mm-hmm. a lot of shame in that because it doesn't look a certain way or we're, we don't even know what it's supposed to, a certain way supposed to be, but there's just shame on this concept of looking at your body and being Mm -hmm. in love with it the way it is. And so when it, when I really talk about sex magic, I always want to start with the women being comfortable with themselves first, because the magic comes from self. Like as, you know, as much as we love our partners and we may be partnered with men or women or whatever, it's really going to be you are the you are the one that controls this. You are the one that's empowered by your sexual energy, and nobody can bring you to that orgasmic bliss. You invite them to share orgasmic bliss with you, but to expect your partner to do that for you, mm-hmm. you put yourself in in a, in a, dis, a state of disappointment. And so, I, I really love to stress on, on on women to tap into what makes them feel whole and safe and beautiful and sensual, and then taking that energy and associating it to your desires. So if you desire a dream job or you desire a dream partner, whatever that dream that you desire, using that orgasmic expression is a way to attract it to you. So mm-hmm. I tell people the biggest 
manifest through a law of attraction is not stating what you want. It's not even visualizing, although those practices do help. What really gets it there is the feeling. What does it actually feel like in your body to have that thing that you desire? Mm -hmm. So when you start to feel the feeling, what happens in your mind, you start to create a new neural pathway in your mind as if it's already happened and it's in your subconscious mind, it happened already. So therefore you are now connecting your, your neural pathways, your subconscious mind, and the body is resonating on that feeling. Mm-hmm. What if like, you feel it itchy in your throat? Do you feel tingling in your toes? What is the actual sensation in your body that you feel when you think about the very thing that you desire? And then you bring yourself to orgasmic bliss, whether you're touching yourself or using uh, toys to help do that, or just really just sitting with the feeling if you don't want the sensational touching. I think that's important because that is really what our womb magic does. We attract and we magnify. And so I, I, and so going into a little deeper topic is like when we invite partners into our bodies or on our bodies, mm-hmm. we're just going to magnify whatever energy frequency that they're presenting to us. And that's awareness. I feel like we talk a lot about sexually transmitted infections. I say sexually transmitted demons. We got to be careful with that. Come too. on now. Yes. Okay. So it's like there's spiritual protection just as much as there's physical protection with our sexual energy too. So how to harness that. And so I actually teach classes on that. Um, I actually will be having a class on the set, the 16th of July, where I'll be teaching through two different archetypes, the lover archetype and the muse archetype. Um, I'm Venus and Leo. And actually right now I'm in my um, Venus uh, return. Actually this past year I had of course, my solar, I had my, my lunar, my Mars, and now my Venus. So actually, all my personal planets returned back to the original space this, this past um, birthday cycle. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's like a right before my 33rd. I know what this means. Like, I had to go back to the beginning of all my placements so that I can go into the transformation of what my my purpose is here to do. So mm-hmm. um, that's one of my purposes I know for sure is connecting women back to their spiritual practice and back to their bodies, back to what we are here to do on a magnificent scale, bringing that back here, bringing heaven back on earth. So yes. if anyone's interested about the archetypes, I'll be teaching a class on the lover's archetype as well as the muse archetype. And that's definitely connected to our sensual practice. So I'm excited about that. And I cannot wait to share this message with those who are interested. And they can go to Tahiri Divine on Instagram and the links are in my bio. So, oh girl, this conversation today. Oh my God. (laughs) So I guess um, my last question for you is what would be one word that you would like to share with someone who's struggling on their spiritual journey? Yes. Um, depending on what their specific struggle would be, I would like to, one thing I tell anybody, actually, this is actually interesting. I actually told my niece that, um, is to, I'll I'll just give you the example. I told my niece, um, my niece is seven and she didn't grow up in a church and she's been with me for the last few months. And so she's been able to see me in my practice. My mother lives with me and my mother's very, um, very, um, dogmatic in her religious practice. Mm -hmm. So each, my mother said something to her and my daughter that I felt was um, a little, well, more so to my daughter, I felt it was crossing a boundary. You're not going to tell my child I talked to demons. I'm a demon worshiper. So I was disappointed. At, but what I did tell the girls, that's like, you know what? Mind what your grandmother says, you know, but they always listen to what your heart tells you. Mind and listen to what the adults say, 
But what's important is what your heart tells you. You don't always got to speak it right then and there, but you listen to it to yourself. So going to adults who are in their spiritual journey and having difficulties or struggling with it, trust your heart, trust yourself. And if you don't know how to do that, ask yourself specifically, like saying, you know what? God in me, self, whatever universe, whatever words that work best for your particular situation where you're at right now, reveal to me what it is I need to know in this moment. And that's it. That's the only thing you need to ask. And you can ask yourself that every day, every hour, every 10 minutes, how often you need to take away and to say, self, what is it that I need to know in this moment? And allow that to be your guide. And I'm telling you, that will lead you to the right teachers. Maybe a song will come on the radio that ministers exactly to what you need. Maybe you'll see a billboard. It, it just always happens in that type of way. That to me is how you connect to divine alignment. So there isn't there isn't this hocus pocus thing you need to do. There's not three, I don't know, grab three branches and put it in a, you know, yeah, all right. those all <laughs> great too. But just very simple, ask self, what is it I need to know in this moment? And trust mm-hmm. that you know the answer. Although you don't know the answer, you do know the answer. Ashe. <laughs> Ashe. Oh my God. Girl. <sighs> Thank you so, 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 so much for being on the Meta Spiritualist. This was an amazing conversation. Oh my gosh. I'm so honored. I'm happy to be in the space and just share. Marla, I love this. Thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. Thank you all so much for tuning in for today's Meta Spiritual Talk. If you would like to participate in Tahiri's class, the link is in the description and on the social posts for you to tap in. Be sure to follow us on Facebook at The Meta Spiritualist, Twitter at Metaspiritu1, and of course, Podbean, Apple, Google, the iHeartRadio app, and Listen Notes. Until next time, may the God of the universe conspire with you, bringing you an abundance of love, peace, happiness, health, and wealth.